Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Okay, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us on this episode today. And uh, joining me is my relatively new friend. We've had the opportunity to meet once before, but Sarah O'Hara, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining the Boca Podcast today. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I, me too. I, I love conversations and especially conversations with people that I don't know that well because it means that I get to know you along with our listeners. So we're going to do a little bit of that today. But uh, as, as our normal routine goes, we're going to dive first into what we've come to call the aha moment. And that's a description of an experience that you may have had in your business that kind of flipped the light bulb on, made you realize something significant that ultimately helped catapult your business forward. I'm wondering if you can share that with our listeners to get us started. Definitely. So I love all the aha moments that everyone shares. And so I would like thought really hard about this. And I think that my biggest aha moment in business was just learning that while you can do anything, you can't do everything and that that's okay. Um, and I'll probably talk more on that later, but it's definitely one of the biggest like aha moments that catapulted my business forward and kind of changed the way that I handled everything. Oh, that's perfect. And and I can already see like the, the, the quote graphic that we're going to be putting together to, to represent <laughs> that. And we should do a t-shirt of the same thing. That's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. I don't think I came up with that quote. I'm pretty sure it's been floating around for a while, but it's definitely an important lesson to learn. Well, it really is. And, and it's a good point. It's something that we've alluded to on the podcast probably a number of times at this point, um, but it's, it's good to be reminded of it, even for myself, um, as, as the owner of, of, well, two companies right now, yeah. multiple companies in the past, um, as a photographer as well. And of course, yourself, a photographer, those listening in that are photographers and business owners, it's very easy to get caught in the trap of the, the busy work, if you will, that is associated with running a business. And there is so much to keep up with. The beautiful thing is, especially now in 2017, we have so many outlets or opportunities to delegate or outsource or to automate or to simplify the workflows so that we don't have to do everything. And um, like you said, you'll, you'll be getting into that here in just a little bit. In fact, we're yeah. going to be talking about this idea. Today's focus is on the idea of entrepreneurship and self-care. And we'll, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But this is a great reminder. So thanks for starting us off with that. Sure. Um, I would love for you to tell us more about you. Uh, your husband. And um, I, I love how you worded it on the website, your overly energetic dog. Uh, and maybe just a little bit of what you guys do with your free time. Sure. So I'm a wedding photographer in Montana. And I also work for the International Academy of Wedding Photographers, which is an online school for photographers. Some of my favorite things are the mountains, coffee, dark beer and traveling. Um, I love that you specify dark beer, not light beer, just like, the dark beer. Yeah. Light beer is not nearly as good. Like I'm definitely <laughs> kind of a beer snob. Um, not right now. Cause I'm pregnant. So I'm ah, taking a little hiatus. Congratulations but, uh, on that. <laughs> thank you. But yes, dark beer is my jam. <laughs> Anyways, my husband is Brandon. We've been together for eight years, married for four and a half of them. And we've been a husband and wife team since 2012. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, but we have, uh, Brandon is also a full-time web developer and he co-owns co and is the sole developer for another tech business as well. Wow. So we're just busy all around. <laughs> it's there, and maybe we'll get into this as well, but that that um, that excitement that you both have for running businesses, does that tend to be a good thing for your relationship? Is it exhausting at times? Is it maybe a combination of both? A combination for sure. It's like an ebb and flow. Like we've been together so long and like we've start kind of built these businesses as our relationship has progressed. Yeah. And so we've kind of gone through like all the highs and lows of business ownership and like um, those seasons of hustle and late nights where we don't really see each other because or like we have like desks that are like back to back. They face each other. We both spend a lot of time in the office. And so there's definitely a balance to be found when we're both so like entrepreneurial at heart. For sure. For sure. That's interesting. Well, maybe we can get into that in a little bit more detail later, but, but talk yeah. to me more about what you guys are doing with your free time. What does a day look like? Well, we, we have that overly energetic, energetic dog, Samson. <laughs> what kind of dog is he? He's half golden retriever and half Siberian Husky and Whoa. like 100% energy. 
Um, although (laughs) thankfully he's like, he's not a, like a puppy puppy anymore. He's almost three. Um, so now it's like, he mostly gets excited in spurts and then spends the rest of his time napping. So he takes up a lot of our time right now when we're like at home, just getting his energy out and going on walks and stuff. We live in the mountains, so we love to get out and hike. Um, and just kind of like be in the outdoors and kind of unplug from everything. Absolutely. You know, I was actually noticing, I was looking through Instagram, multiple Instagram accounts. Um, I think maybe some stuff that your husband was posting as well, but the, the scenery there is just stunning. And I have to, this is not something I don't think I've admitted on the podcast before, but Montana is honestly one of the places that I've considered moving in the future, maybe even the near future. But um, it's it, the scenery is so stunning. The idea of being able to truly unplug uh, is extremely yeah. appealing to me. I like the openness. As long as I have at least a small community nearby that I can connect with, I think I'd be okay in that. But I have to ask you, is, is the extreme cold during the winter kind of overwhelming? It depends. Like some people really love the winter. Okay. I do not. Like I hate the snow. I think he even <laughs> says that like in my about me section on the website. Like I love the mountains and I love my mountain town, but I hate the snow. I'm currently sitting here like looking out my window and it's dumping snow right now. Seriously? Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so the snow is not my favorite. I tend to like just hibernate inside and like read books and have more Netflix binges and stuff. But the trade off of like summers here is totally worth it to me. And if you do like snow, we are like 20 minutes away from um, one ski hill and like an hour away from another. Wow. So there's definitely a ton of winter activities if you like being outside when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't prefer it. But yeah, it's beautiful here. And it's definitely it's a trade off with the harsh winters, but I'll take it. I can imagine. How long does it normally last? Like what is shooting season for you? Usually like May is kind of safe. Okay. Weather wise, like we can definitely still get snow in May. So like June through October is kind of our like main busy season. Sure. And then October even like it can snow at any point in October. So that's interesting. So you go really hard from let's say May, maybe June until October. It does yeah. that then give you a, a good span of time then an off season where you don't have to work as hard? You spend your time kind of developing new business for the next season. What does that look like? Totally. So we definitely have more of like an off season, especially for those of us like myself who'd shoot mainly outdoor weddings and don't do a whole lot of um, like I specialize in like mountain weddings and outdoor weddings. And so I don't do a whole lot that are indoors. And so we really don't shoot a ton during the winter. Um, There's definitely portrait photographers and, you know, people who do studio work that stay busy year round. But for me, like also working for the academy, so that online school really helps to like balance my time uh, in the winter. And then my husband also is a web developer. So he stays busy year round with that. That's really interesting. I love, as you you used the phrase earlier, ebb and flow, the ebb and flow of your business and your life. And it sounds quite appealing. And um, I know that we're going to get into that again in just a little bit more detail here shortly. But when you're talking about the idea of free time, it sounds like there's a a lot of opportunity to do kind of a wide variety of things in the area that you live in, Yeah. uh, both during the warmer months as well as the cooler. But how do you create that that free time? Because I know it's easy as business owners, myself included, photographers as well, to kind of get overwhelmed as we were talking about with the busy work. How do you proactively create free time for yourself? Is there a tool or a technique or something that you that you utilize or apply to your workflow that makes a big difference? Yes. And I am, I'll just put it out there. I'm very type A. I love like making lists and schedules and color coding all of it. So for me, the biggest thing that helps is just scheduling it in advance. Like if I don't put it on my calendar, it's probably not going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we schedule date nights, we schedule days off, we schedule trips like big and small, anything that we can schedule as far ahead of time as possible, especially during our busy season, we get it on the calendar, like as soon as we can. And that's just 100%. If it's on the calendar, like we're not going to schedule something over it. And, you know, this is an interesting point of conversation because it's something that I've been amazed about even lately and just in the last few days. Um, But I I hear from people, photographers or maybe otherwise, (laughs) that talk about uh, I'm, you know, not being able to get together because they're busy or not being able to commit to something in advance because they're not sure what's going on then or you know, not being able to, to, not being sure if they'll be able to get together for drinks or dinner because this might be going on, but they're not sure. But I, I love the simplicity of just simply committing to something and putting it in the calendar and letting that kind of be law, if you will. 
Um, right. I, you know, as busy as we all are as business owners and, and just busy in 2017, it's really not that difficult to enter something in the calendar and commit to that, whether it's on a business level or personal level. And then there's some clarity too there. And, and, and it's great that we have these easy tools. I personally use Google Calendar. Um, I, my, my kids, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to use. Um, and my kids live with me uh, week on week off. So they're with me part of the time in coordinating their schedules with school and, and sports and music. And then with their mom, we, we share a calendar. It's very easy to put stuff in there and put reminders in there. I mean, my, my daughter is 12 and I've got her doing this thing too, so that we are all <laughs> coordinating schedules. It's really not difficult to do. It's very easy to create a little bit of structure that just makes life a little bit easier in the end. You know, it's in there, you know, you can plan on it. And um, so I think that's great. That And that very proactive step that you've taken to implement a calendar that that you're reliant on and you're doing that with your husband, I think is a really, really great example. So if you guys aren't actively using shared calendars with your business partner, your romantic partner, your family member, or friends even, <laughs> uh, definitely take advantage of those tools. They're free, they're easily available and, and easy to use. That's a great recommendation. Talk to us a little bit about how you got into photography and, and a little bit about your business as well. Yeah, so I feel like this is a super cliche answer, Okay. but I basically had a camera in my hand since I was little. And just like in that, my mom gave me a camera when I was really, really young. And I would literally do things like hang sheets from the rafters in my parents' unfinished basement. <laughs> and I would like use them as backdrops and make my cousins dress up and model for me. So I have like lots of blackmail on all my cousins that is like super classic 90s. But I didn't really pursue it like seriously until I was a junior in high school. Okay. And I ended up taking um, a black and white film photography class. And just kind of like fell in love with it. And so I ended up going to college to get a photography degree. And then I officially launched my business in college, which was in like 2008. And then my husband joined the business in 2012. And now we specialize in weddings for adventurous couples who love the mountains. And I love the specificity <laughs> of that too. Can you talk a little bit about how you, you know, this is a question that I ask quite often on the book of podcasts. What is your brand position or your specialty? I mean, you can be a wedding photographer and there are, you know, 50 other wedding photographers in a stone's throw, you've you've got a very specific position, which is that you were offering wedding photography for adventurous couples. So can you talk to about how you came up with that that brand position? Yeah. So I think it kind of just developed as our business developed and like as us as people kind of grew into like the like kind of, I started my business when I was in college. So who I was and who my business was kind of evolved over the last nine years or however long it's been. Sure. And so it was like three or four years ago, maybe. And my husband and I were trying to figure out what exactly we wanted to do and what we were going to do that was going to make us happy in our business. And at the time, we were kind of just general photographers. Like we would shoot anything and everything that you'd ask us to. And so it was really kind of this process of just honing in on what we really love to shoot and like what made us passionate about photography and what just made us excited about our business. And so for us, that was, first of all, weddings. And then just like narrowing it down even further, there was a, just a specific type of person that we loved working with. And those were the people who shared our love for the outdoors and for the mountains that surround us and who like the brides who weren't afraid to get their dress a little bit dirty if it meant like getting a super epic shot, yes, uh, I love it. hiking up like a mountain hill or whatever, like whatever the case may be. Um, and so we just, just really spent a lot of time honing in on like who our ideal client was. Um, and that just kind of led us to like really adventurous couples who love being in the mountains. That's perfect. Well, and, and of course the, the simple benefit therein is that you are connecting or you're, you're providing a service to people that you can relate to. You can, yes. you can relate or connect over a conversation about these things that you both enjoy. And that's a great starting point for a good relationship with a client. But sure. um, this is something that we've also talked about, again, on the Boca podcast in the past, but it's good that we're, we're coming back to it. And that is the importance of understanding kind of the bigger picture view. Why do I do what I do? In fact, I'm actually getting ready to speak at a, a conference coming up called United. You and I were talking about this here just a little bit yes, ago. This is where we, there. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm excited about that. And this is where we had the chance to meet the first time. But yeah. um, I'm going to be speaking there. And the, one of the things that I'll be talking about is this the importance of a big picture view. And a big picture view uh, or kind of a big picture perspective when it comes to your life and business, part of what makes up that big picture view is values. These are the things that are absolutely 
non-negotiables when it comes to what we understand is what we what makes us happy. And you guys understand the importance of adventure or the outdoors in your life. And I love the fact that understanding that, you then translated that to your business. So now you're not just shooting pictures, which you already enjoy, but you're shooting right. pictures of clients who enjoy the exact same things or, or value the exact same things that you do. And it makes for just a better experience for everyone all the way around. Totally. And that's a really, really wonderful example. Now, you did mention um, going to school for photography. And this is, interestingly enough, a, a conversation that's come up um, a number of times recently on the podcast. I'm curious if you had it to, to do over again, or even if you were just to have a conversation with an upcoming photographer, would you recommend that they go to college? Did you feel like you got enough benefit from that? Or would you do something differently? So I have... Um... I have a lot of opinions on this and I'll summarize it for you um, very shortly. <laughs> okay. Um, if I had to do it all over again, I would not necessarily because of the, the photography education I received, but mostly because of like the people, like the friends that I made in college, the professors that I just still love and keep in touch with to this day. Like the, there's a lot of reasons why I would do it again if I had the choice, but the photography education I got was very kind of old school in terms like in, in the photography world terms. As far as the technique or something else? Yeah, not in the technique, just kind of like in the way you run a business. Like it was very much a like shoot to sell, sell high dollar prints, like don't give away all the digitals. We did a lot of studio work, which was awesome. Like being able to learn all of those things and being able to learn all of the like really specific lighting techniques and everything. But when I got out of college, I was like burnt out on assignments and shooting. Right. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I really didn't learn, like I learned nothing about wedding photography or how to run like a modern day business, especially one with like a shoot and share type platform, which is how I run my business. And so there was just a lot of things like I learned a lot of great things, but I also still graduated feeling like I have no idea how to actually run a business right now or like what I'm doing or how to start it. Sure. And so the flip side is that now I work for the International Academy of Wedding Photographers like I mentioned, which is an online school for photographers. And so I've done that program as well. And it like, <laughs> comparatively in price, like the difference is crazy when you're talking about like a traditional like, college versus an online school. And so the academy is much cheaper. And it has like eight courses in their certificate program. And the the like materials there taught by like, like Matt and Carissa Kennedy, Justin and Mary, Amy and Jordan, Caitlin James, like, the stuff that they all teach in the academy was like astronomically more beneficial to me and my business and like actually figuring out how to how to run my business and kind of like know what I was doing and have the confidence and like learn the skills to run like a modern day wedding business. So that was like one of the educational things that really kind of made a huge difference. I would definitely like more recommend ph photographers take a route more like that for right. education these days instead of like a traditional structured college program. Sure. That, that totally makes sense. It's interesting though, to me that you mentioned that there was actually discussion about business um, in school, because most of the time it doesn't seem to be the case. The focus is on the technical side of photography, which is, you know, obviously not yeah. bad in and of itself, but there's little to no conversation about business. You were saying that they and actually, there wasn't. Okay. So, so th th there wasn't much, the little bit that, that was there uh, was dated and yeah. um, and the, the more significant value that you found is in, is in a course or a series of courses like you're talking right. about from the online academy. We'll make sure to link to the academy in the show notes. So for those listening in, you're curious, uh, you can learn more about the academy. Um, my company, Photographer's Edit, has actually been involved in sponsoring the academy. And, um, and of course, Matt and Justin and Mary and Caitlin, and there are a number of people that are involved in the Academy that um, obviously I would, I would highly recommend. And so uh, Amy and Jordan and so forth, um, I will yeah. make sure to link to, to them in the, uh, in the show notes so that you guys can check that out. Um, so you started your photography business back in 2008. You said your husband got involved yep. in 2012. You guys are yeah. really, really busy. Um, and how many weddings would you say that you're shooting? Like how many weddings will you shoot this year in 2017? So we, we just wrapped up our season cause now it's dumping snow on us, <laughs> right. um, but we, we shoot 10 weddings a year, which doesn't seem like a lot for most people, but it's what, um, like with everything else that we have going on in our lives, we just decided that that was the number that was best for us to still maintain like that work life balance and to serve our clients really well and to still have time to, um, 
to like live our life and do the other things that we want to. So we, we cap it at 10. That's really impressive. Do you do portrait sessions on top of that? Um, we do engagement sessions and then I do a handful of like families and stuff. Um, only for my personal family and friends. I don't like <laughs> you do don't just promote do it. family shoots. Yeah. Okay. It's not totally my jam. Um, <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I know that when, when we were having actually Haley reached out to you um, or was chatting with you about the possibility of doing the Boca podcast and, and you actually volunteered to, to discuss this topic of self-care and entrepreneurship. And you know, this is a phrase that we hear thrown around a good bit. It can be considered cliche, but the, the reality, and, and I've realized this even more so in, in the last month uh, or two myself, um, the reality is that as entrepreneurs, business owners, we have so much going on. There's so much to keep up with, and there's a considerable amount of stress that isn't really even natural for a healthy human being to deal <laughs> with on an ongoing basis. And we do need to take care of ourselves. Uh, this is really, really important, but I, I'd love for you to, to first of all, define the idea of self-care for entrepreneurs, if, if you don't mind. Yeah. So basically, I think that um, especially for entrepreneurs, we have this tendency to like work ourselves completely ragged. Like we're chasing this dream that we're really passionate about. And I think that too often we forget the cost of going 100 miles per hour nonstop. We forget to slow down and also take care of ourselves yeah. because we're only focused on growing our business. And so that can be like just really detrimental to ourselves, to our relationships, to our businesses. Um, and so for me, like self-care is really just about striving for more of that, like elusive work-life balance. Um, and just remembering that even though we're building these businesses and there's going to be seasons of like serious hustle, it's really important to also have seasons of rest and also just take care of ourselves and remember that like we need to focus on us as well as our business. It's it's true, and and the thing again that most resonates with me is is the reality and is health. The idea of health and taking care of my body has been kind of a, a sideline hobby. It's just something that I've spent a lot of time reading and listening about over the last I don't know six or seven years. I ended up losing um, at what the highest point about seventy pounds or so, and in that process, as an entrepreneur who was trying to live a healthier life, I realized the significance. And continuing to be or continue to be reminded of the significance of setting time aside to take care of myself, certainly my body, but my mind, my emotions, um, totally, and and ultimately minimizing stress. It's just it's absolutely vital, not only for our general health and longevity, but then also for the sake of what we can bring then to our business. Because as much as you know that you see all these the hashtag hustle. Um, all over the place these days. And it is important and it's important not to be lazy. At the same time, it's important as well to to work smart. And we ha also have to realize, and, and this is going to be a different line for everybody, but we have to realize there's a line that we can cross that's ultimately unhealthy for us on multiple levels. And so developing a bit of self-awareness in that regard is really important. And I'd, I'd love, if you don't mind sharing uh, with our listeners kind of your story and going through this process, that that realization, what that, that process looked like for you. Yeah, this is definitely like something I don't talk about often. And it's like, it's always terrifying to get like vulnerable, especially with people like all these strangers that are going to be listening to the podcast, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm a big believer in like sharing the hard stuff and getting vulnerable and reminding people that like, we're not alone. And we all struggle. And especially as entrepreneurs, like it's really easy to like always feel alone. It's so true. So, so yeah, so basically my story, um, when it comes to like, really, shifting the focus to self-care in my own life and for my business was back in 2015. Um, I just found myself struggling with like a pretty dark depression. And while it wasn't like the first time that I battled depression, it was the first time since I'd really taken on this role of entrepreneurship and running a full-time business. And I was spending like every moment of my time trying to grow my business, increase my profits. And in turn, I was neglecting myself, my marriage, my friendships, and I just wound up in this place where I felt so alone and overwhelmed and like I was failing on all fronts. But I'm also like a perfectionist, a people pleaser and an overachiever. So <laughs> I did like everything I could to just hide what I was going through and make it look like my business was great. My life was great when really it was kind of just kind of felt like it was all falling apart. For sure. And, and would you say that 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 like that just significant drive and you talked about it a little bit earlier was was the. Uh, maybe obsession is too strong a word, but the obsession with trying to create a successful business, was that kind of the sole motivating factor in that? Or was there something else? Totally. Like just having this dream that you want to see succeed. Um, 
and come to fruition. And just knowing that, like seeing what everyone else is doing and feeling like you have to just hustle nonstop to ever like make it or become a, become successful in what you're doing. Um, yeah, so that was definitely a huge, um, driving factor in it. And then it kind of just reached this breaking point in December, 2015. And I had finally told my husband that I'd been silently struggling with depression for the majority of that year. And so with his like help and support, I took a massive step back and reassessed my business, my schedule, how I was spending my time. And I just got down to like the really hard work of reprioritizing things and actually taking care of myself too. And that step back and like reprioritization. Um, I don't know if I said that word right, but that kind of just shifted everything and how I handled my business, how I handled my life. Um, and just kind of had this huge like effect on everything that I was doing. Well, first of all, Sarah, I have to to say thank you for being willing to be vulnerable. I know what it means uh, when, when you talk about the importance of sharing for the benefit of others and for the sake of connection. Um, this actually has a lot of meaning in my life personally as of late. Maybe I, I'll have the opportunity to get into that sometime as well. But I, I really can't thank you enough for being willing to share the story with our listeners. And we're talking about the idea of depression. Um, this is this is another word that gets thrown around a lot, and it feels like sometimes maybe a little too much. But um, when when we're talking about depression that comes from loneliness as an entrepreneur, this is a very very real thing uh, that I've certainly experienced over and over again um, as as a result of you know the work environment. It could be something as simple as just being. For example, for myself, I'm, I'm in an apartment a lot of times on my mm-hmm. own or even just working in a coffee shop. I mean, there may be people nearby, but you don't have the opportunity to have real conversation and, and connect with people on a deeper level. And the result at times can be that very depression that you're talking about. What did that feel like for you? It's it's just really isolating. Um, and it's I, I feel like it's such a hard thing to describe and it looks different for everyone, you know, and it for sure. It's such a unique and personal um thing for, for so many people, but it was just, just like this isolating, like overwhelming, um, you know, like constant dark cloud. And especially like, if you're the type of person like me, where you don't like, you like to pretend that everything's still fine. Cause you don't want anyone to know that you're struggling. Yeah, for sure. Like, like you have to maintain some facade of being strong or something. Totally. And yeah. like, like I've got it all together. It's all good. <laughs> right. Why do you think that we do that? Cause I'm certainly <laughs> guilty of that as well. I think it's like, I don't know if it's like all social media, but we just get this chance to like look online and see everyone else portraying like the highlight reel of their life. And <laughs> it's like, look at all these cool things I'm doing. Look how great my business is. Look how great my life is. Yeah. And you, you, you don't want to be the person who's like the Debbie Downer and is like, oh, sorry, I'm like not with you. My life is really kind of hard right now and I'm really struggling. You just want to like be like, oh yeah, my life is great too. My business is going so well. And like, you know, and all these things. And when you're sitting at home in your office, like alone all day, um, just like building this business, it can get really, really hard and really lonely. It really can. Which is why, like, I'm super thankful for this shift, especially like coming from the rising tide society of just community over competition and actually building those relationships with people like face to face. I think that's huge for entrepreneurs, especially like work from home like anyone who works from home, just making that time to get out and like build those face-to-face relationships is so huge. Cause then you're not just online pretending like everything's fine. You get to like really build those relationships, get down to the nitty gritty and like talk about the things that you're struggling with too. And I think that can make such a huge difference. It's, it's so true. And you've touched on a number of points here. You're right that there can be those people who kind of quite the opposite are constantly just sending out this negative vibe and complaining about things and, and almost seeming to, to just seek attention as a result of yeah. their effort to share all the problems that they're dealing with. Um, we certainly don't want to be that either, but I think there is a very important conversation that has begun certainly around social media and, and the reality, which is that, that and I'm, I'm certainly guilty of it, just kind of putting the highlight reel out there on social media. And, and it's easy, even kind of realizing that fact to at times forget it and just see all of these people out there who seem to be doing so great. And we know, and internally, we know we're struggling with a number of things and there's a disconnect in that experience. We're seeing people that are happy and they seem connected with people and they seem that their business is going well and their family life is awesome. And we're mm-hmm. dealing with all these things internally and it feels weird to share and to be that Debbie Downer, like you were saying, but it really is so important to connect. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned the Rising Tide Society because 
that represents a community that both exists virtually for those of us mm-hmm. who don't always have the freedom or the flexibility or even the easy access to in-person community. Um, there is a virtual community there. But yeah. then, of course, the Rising Tide Society also has local chapters. So there are get-togethers of artists that include photographers who are meeting in person. And there is that opportunity that you were talking about to have real conversation in person. I remember experiencing this um, in, in a really powerful way as a photographer. I shot for about 10 years. And back then, it wasn't Rising Tide. It was called OSP, Open Source Photo. And this was a, a photography community that a photographer named David J. started. And it grew to about 11,000 members or so at the time, which was really the biggest online at the time. Of course, Rising Tide Society way surpasses <laughs> that now. Um, but there was, there was a wonderful virtual connection where we were having conversation that was, that was fun. There was quite a bit of That's laughter, awesome. actually. But then there was also sharing of, of technique and experiences and asking for advice. And then there were the, the in-person meetups. And we'd have you know, OSP New Orleans or we'd have OSP South. And they actually came to Chattanooga at one point um, where I live. And, and there was OSP, I think we did California uh, or some version of it in California. We were getting together OSP in Indiana uh, we were That's getting so together, cool. yeah, together in in person and getting to realize the relationships in person and have those conversations. It's, this kind of thing is so important, and we have to make sure, first of all, just to get involved in a community in in general, but then also not to give too much weight to the the virtual side of things, but to make sure that we are actually connecting with community in person. It's, it's so important, and and again, I, I've been feeling this even more so for myself as of late. Um, you know, that it's, it's one thing to be able to, to have a conversation quickly on Facebook Messenger or to be able to comment on somebody's post on Facebook or send a quick DM via Instagram. It's another thing to have a relationship with, uh, you know, ideally at least a few people where there's real support and real encouragement and deep conversation. And there are not a ton of people out there that are willing to invest that kind of time and energy, but yeah. we all need it so desperately. And uh, so this is a really, really good reminder. And again, I can't thank you enough for sharing the story. How would you say, and I I know we're going to kind of get into the the practical side of things um, here in just a second, but what was the the turning point for you, the transition? I know you said you shared with Brandon what you were struggling with, but how did you kind of pull yourself out of that, that state? Well, it it wasn't like an overnight thing by any means. It was kind of just reaching that breaking point where everything just got to be too much. And it was like, I couldn't hold up this facade any longer. And so I told my husband and um, that just kind of started the process of just reevaluating things and reprioritizing things and like focusing more on myself and like making sure that I was, you know, taking care of myself, like mentally, emotionally, physically, um, and not just working all the time and trying to grow this business. That makes sense. And, And I'd actually like to make that go ahead and make that a little bit more practical and have you share with our listeners very specific things that, that you did um, that you might also recommend that they do in order to do this very thing you're talking about, to take care of yourself, to kind of minimize the stress from running a business uh, and, and ultimately stay healthy? So I have like a couple of things um, here uh, that I'll share. But the first one, which I kind of touched base on earlier, is to put it on your calendar. Like, so at the end of 2015, when I finally told my husband, that I was struggling with depression and we sat down and looked at our calendar. We had already filled 2016 with 10 weddings and that's when we decided to cap it and to not book any more so that I could have that time to like step back and focus on self care. And so we chose to block off things like we would, I would pre-schedule like alone time, like just for me. And so sometimes that would be like taking a bath or a hike or like just having a Netflix binge or reading a good book or taking a nap, even just like finding ways to rejuvenate away from my computer and away from work. For sure. Um, and just doing something to like fill up my own cup, like even scheduling times to like go meet in person with friends that I could talk like just really honestly and vulnerably with. And then we scheduled uh, like all of our date nights. So like for us, like every Tuesday night still is it's no work, just the two of us unplugged We're, we need to get back to the unplugged part. Like that's kind of failed in the last few months. Um, and you mean we, just like setting phones aside when you say unplug? Yeah. Or, so, okay. so like when going from telling my husband like that I was struggling to kind of re like going through 2016 and just kind of like re prioritizing restructuring everything that we were doing. Um, we set aside these like unplugged date nights is what we called them. And it was like no computers, no phones, like one night a week specifically where it. the two of us could connect and like 
like away from technology and just really like be present and focus on our marriage. And we would do nerdy things like schedule like financial date nights and like (laughs) our budget and stuff together. Like we're maybe like one of those really nerdy couples, but those were like just really filling things when I had spent this entire season kind of neglecting my marriage. It was really important to schedule time for myself, but also to schedule time for my marriage again. So those like unplugged dates that we would put on the calendar were really, really huge. That's so important. You know, and maybe this topic is, is uh, kind of over discussed at this point, but the reality is that, that the phones can be, first of all, they can be absolutely wonderful. The watches are a supplement to that. And, and these are tools that um, enable us to be able to run a business even more efficiently and effectively. Yeah. And, and so there's nothing wrong with them in that sense, but what they are is also very, very, very easy distractions. I mean, they are very much designed to, um, maybe not on purpose to distract us per se, but really what their job is, and, and many of these applications anyway, is to get our attention and to have us spend as much time as possible in them. And so that's why that's that's why they are designed the way that they are. That's why we get the notifications from them if we don't turn them off. And it, it's just a natural thing for us to respond to those, to see them and feel like we need to do something with them, uh, which is one of the reasons why I say, "Hey, turn off your notifications." But yeah, then then we start. If, if you're not doing that already, like I highly recommend that to everyone. I've had like all the notifications on my phone turned off for yeah. probably over six months now, and it was probably one of the greatest things I ever did. Oh, that's that's perfect. Well, and and it's you know it can be something as simple as well. I guess the obvious turning off email notifications to social media notifications. And at, for time, at times, I've even turned off notifications from text messages because I know that if somebody yeah. absolutely needs to reach me, they can call me. But sure. if I'm constantly looking for or you know feeling for that vibration from the text message or I'm looking for that, that notification to pop up on my screen, um, which at times can be easy to, to kind of get in that mental state of, um, mm-hmm. that, that's just taking me away from focusing on whether it's the people right in front of me or the task right in front of me that needs my focused attention. And as much as people say that they, they are good multitaskers, I mean, it, it's been shown through research that right. that, that distraction, that, that that attempt at multitasking is we're looking at the, the notifications and we're also working on this thing and we're listening to that thing and we've got a show playing in the background and all this stuff going on. And it's, you're not actually doing it as well as you think you are. This is true. This is true. And so <laughs> um, that that's a great reminder. But I, I love the idea of of turning off. Again, there's nothing wrong with the technology, but turn it off for the sake of being present yeah. and focused. And that's so important. It's a good reminder for me with my kids and a good reminder for all of us out there who are in any kind of relationship to, to make that a priority, to connect with the people in front of us. But I love this. So you're pre-scheduling alone time. You're scheduling date nights. You're taking advantage of the calendar, right? Yeah. And so we're even like going so far as to scheduling off like full weekends during our busy season. So like last June, like in 2016, when we're looking at our calendar for that year, it was like, we have every single weekend in June is completely booked except for this one. And well, it was really appealing to be like that weekend, I'm going to sit home and I'm going to get caught up on work. Like, and I know I'm going to need that time. Instead, we like decided to block off that weekend, leave our computers at home in the middle of busy season, drive, you know, over 10 hours to like explore and hike in a new mountain range just completely unplugged and other times it would look like like at the end of that busy season we took like a full week off to go to mexico after shooting like eight weddings in seven weeks wow and it was just like we knew that we like after working so hard for so long we would need that time to kind of just like pour back into ourselves and make sure that we weren't getting burnt out in the middle of busy season that's perfect and and you know there's we, we, I alluded to this earlier, but there's something so simple and proactive and wonderful about just simply putting it in the calendar. And mm-hmm. I think I, I, there are probably multiple reasons why photographers, entrepreneurs may not be as quick to proactively do so. You know, there's fear of, I guess, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out that, right. that I might miss out on this opportunity in business. Or what if I get to this place in my season and, and my budget is not where it needs to be and I, I need some extra cash or you know, there's so many possibilities. We can play the what if game all day long. But the moment that we start being proactive, certainly financially, but then also when it comes to managing our calendar, our schedule, it's going to pay significant dividends um, to our business, but then also to our, our mental, emotional, physical health. And I think this is a really, really wonderful reminder. So the first tip is to, to put it in the calendar. I love that. I love yes. the simplicity of it. I love the yeah. proactivity <laughs> of that. Um, take us to another, another piece of advice, if you will. Yeah. So my second tip um, would be to define your own success, um, which 
maybe sounds a little weird to some. Um, but I think that it's so easy to get wrapped up in what success should look like based on what the leaders of our industry are doing. Yes. So like we can look at everyone else and convince ourselves that like we haven't succeeded unless we make a hundred thousand dollars a year, shoot 25 plus weddings a year, speak at conferences, start a podcast. Like there's all these things that we just see everyone else doing. And we just like subconsciously even like put it on our list of like, I haven't succeeded until I've done all these things. And so I think instead we really need to like sit down, look at our own business and our own goals within the terms of like our own life. Like maybe one person's success looks more like shooting a small number of weddings a year, making like a certain amount of money to contribute to their family's finances and allocating a solid amount of time to spend with their kids. And just because like that doesn't look like the first scenario, it doesn't make it any less of a success story. And so I think that every person needs to really just sit down, define their own goals and like based on what their priorities are and define what success looks like based off of that and not just what everyone else is doing. And you summed it up beautifully at the end there. And this goes back to that idea that we were talking about earlier, the big picture view, the overarching long-term goals. Those need to be established first based on your values and your strengths and ultimately where you want to be financially and how much time you want to spend doing that. You know, because you talk about $100,000 a year or even $200,000 a year, that's wonderful. But if you're spending 80 hours a week doing that and you're stressing yourself out to the extent that it's affecting your health mentally and emotionally and physically then then you've got priorities misaligned. So I, I love right. I love the notion of deciding what your own personal goals are for your life and then ultimately for your business and then deciding what success looks like based on that information. Yes. And now no longer do you have to be con so concerned about everybody else and what everybody else is saying and doing. There's always wonderful opportunity to get bits of advice here and there that you can then kind of tie into what you're doing based on your own goals, but your goals act as a filter for that. And yeah, um, so that's totally. a really beautiful way to, to sum it up. Take us to the next piece of advice, if you will. Yeah. So my next one, I have no idea where I heard this thing. Um, I heard it a long time ago and it's just kind of stuck with me. But my third tip would be to live three miles deep instead of three miles wide, which basically means that you can live your life one of two ways. So if you say yes to everything and you try to do it all, you'll be stretched three miles wide like only having enough time um, and energy to do surface things with each of those commitments. You're just like trying to maintain everything at the surface level. Or you can instead choose to go three miles deep, which means narrowing down the things that you'll say yes to or commit to. And because you now have less things on your plate, you have more time and energy to spend going three miles deep so in those important things. So you get to like watch them grow and flourish because you're actually spending time caring for them yes. instead of just maintaining them. So I think just kind of that like learning to say no to something so that you have those really important things that you're able to say yes to and really cherish and like take care of well. This is so good. And, and, and it brings me back to what we were talking about just a little bit ago in relationships. Uh, I've been reminded of the reality of this lately. And of course it does, it applies to, to business, you know, not for example, this can be applied to what we decide to ultimately uh, specialize in or how we decide to position our business. If we're doing so many things, it stretches us so thin, we're trying to do so much at once, um, that's going to cause a significant amount of stress in and of itself. But it, it reminds me of, of um, the significance of relationships too and, and choosing yeah. to invest um, in a few versus trying to be connected to everybody. And it's, and it's very easy, again, in the social media world um, to feel like, hey, there's a really cool opportunity to be able to, to connect with all of these people, my so-called friends on Facebook and these Facebook communities mm -hmm. and so forth. But um, I, I personally, I know personally that I get the most benefit from deep connections. And, and what that then means is I have to kind of filter out those relationships where there's not a whole lot of effort from the other side being made and invest in those few people who really genuinely do care. And they show that by their actions and they're investing totally. time and energy and, and my life. And of course, naturally, I just want to do the same thing um, for them or with them. And uh, so it reminds me of, of the importance of that too, when we're talking about relationships, but this is a great, great reminder. And again, we can do this. We can go three miles deep instead of yeah. three miles wide if we've clearly established that big picture view, if we've clearly established the goals, because we know then what we're working toward and we can focus on just those things instead of any and everything. Um, right. And it just goes back to like that aha moment that I shared at the beginning of like remembering that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And so you yes. really need to narrow down like what your priorities and values are and decide like what things you're going to say yes to based off of those. So good. So good. All right. Take us to the last one, if you will. Okay. 
So my last one is probably one of my biggest tips and one of the things that had the biggest impact on me being able to implement all of the other tips that I did, especially like in 2016, when I was really working on like battling this depression and kind of coming out of it and realigning things. And so that tip is to outsource and that like, there's so many things that we can outsource. Like you can outsource your house cleaning or business tasks, or, um, you know, like you can do a meal service. Like there's just, there's endless opportunities these days to like outsource things. Just going back to that, like you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And so taking just like a serious look at your business and finding the things that you can let go of just frees up so much time for you to focus on the more important things. So for like me personally, I'm going to like promote photographers edit here just a little <laughs> bit with this one. I said earlier, like I would, I'm a perfectionist. And so the idea of outsourcing editing was terrifying to me. And like looking back through my um, photographers edit, like order history, I think I placed like an order in the very beginning of like 2014. And then again at the end, and it was always like, I was testing it out and it was like, Nope, it's not for me. Like I need, like I need all the control and I couldn't let it go. Sure. And so it was like at the end of, um, the, well, the beginning of 2016, after I had started trying to like realize all these things and work through like how I was going to find more time for myself and for those things that were important to me, I was like, okay, this is it. Like I've got to let go of editing. It was like, it was sucking up so much of my time. I didn't enjoy it. And I knew that that was like precious time that I could spend on myself, on my marriage, on like my family and friends, or just even like on tasks that actually grew my business instead of just maintained it. And so I started outsourcing everything to like photographers edit in the beginning of 2016. And like, I don't think I've edited a full session or anything since. Like I certainly haven't edited a wedding since. And I always like joke that photographers edit saved my business and my marriage. And while I think that both like would have ultimately survived without outsourcing, it just freed up so much of my time to spend on tasks that actually grew my business and gave me that time to like spend investing in myself and my marriage. And it's like the reason that at the end of our busiest season in 2016, we took a whole week off to go to Mexico without our computers. And we knew that like our weddings were being edited and our clients like were not going to sacrifice anything in their experience or like image turnaround time. And so that would like outsourcing is just, I'm super passionate about it because it gives you back so much time. Well, it's, it's always encouraging to hear this kind of feedback from photographers who use photographers edit. Uh, we, we don't always have photographers edit users on the podcast. <laughs> and to be clear, the, the, the um, promotion of photographers edit certainly wasn't solicited in, in, this, in this me. conversation. <laughs> when, when Haley uh, was, was chatting with Sarah prior to the podcast interview about the, you know, the possible points of discussion um, and what, what we could ultimately have a conversation about. Um, this is something that, that she actually brought up. And so I just want to be clear about that. We don't talk about photographers edit a whole lot on the podcast, but it's, it's always encouraging to hear that photographers are benefiting it, benefiting from it the way that you have. And, and despite the, the fear of losing control, because I know that that can be a, a significant yeah. apprehension. We continue, in fact, in the process right now of finishing up yet another project associated with giving photographers more control over the process so that they can clearly communicate what they want to our editors, that there's more accountability for our editors in production, and that there's this full loop of communication that helps ultimately generate the most consistent product possible. So we're continuing to work at those things, but I know it it can be overwhelming to consider giving that up. I know that I still get overwhelmed at the idea of delegating certain tasks to um, employees in house. So this is is not something that, that... Like it's terrifying to give up control like especially sure. over something as specific as editing like you're like well I have my style and I have a certain way I do it and they don't know it and it's it's really intimidating to let go of that but I think that if we really want to like work for that that elusive work life balance it's really important to to find those things that we can give up um you know like you guys have an amazing team over there who's fully capable of editing images probably better than I would most of the time and and so it's just like there's no reason for me to be spending my time doing that when it takes me longer. And, you know, like handing off certain tasks can give you back so much time so you can actually grow your business instead of just maintain it or have that time to like, you know, sway the scale of the work-life balance and put some more life things back in there. I love it. I love it. Well, and again, this is possible because 
you you have come to find out or to decide what is important to you. Right. And based on those decisions, and again, the goals, the bigger picture view, you're able to decide, okay, hey, I need to to delegate this or outsource this somewhere else. And, and as you mentioned before, too, it's not just about editing. There's so many opportunities there. Yeah. Housekeeping is a wonderful thing. I've had experience doing right. that, and it, it really can... It, you know, as much as I actually don't mind a whole lot doing some manual labor and, and I love teaching mm-hmm. my kids the responsibility that comes with that too. At times I'd rather spend time doing things with them besides cleaning a house. I want to take them out right. and go do something or go on a trip or whatever the case may be. Um, but based on our values, we can make these decisions and we can decide what we delegate out, whether it's housekeeping or accounting or album design or editing or totally. email or anything else. Um, there's and an it's op- really easy to to be like, well, I'm capable of doing it myself. So why would I pay somebody else to do it? Like, it just right. doesn't make sense. Right. But when you start looking at looking at it in the terms of if I pay somebody to come in and clean my house, like probably faster than I'm going to do it. Like, what does that time allow me to do and to invest in elsewhere? And can I spend those few hours working on my business and make up that income like, you know, two to three times more than what I'm spending on this housekeeper? Like, I think that it's just a kind of a, a shift in perspective on what that trade-off really looks like. And it's not that you're not capable of doing those things, but it's that there's more, there are potentially more important um, things that you could be spending that time on. And that's a great summation. And and again, we'll tie that back to that, the the importance of, of having the long-term goals, the big picture view, however you'd like to word that, the important thing is to know what you're actually striving toward. If you don't know that, then the mm-hmm. tendency is to run a business kind of haphazardly and it's going to be really easy to get overwhelmed and stressed out and end up in depression. But to have to, to take a step back, as you did, to very clearly establish what you want for your life and then ultimately fit your business into that. And then you can make decisions about your business because of those goals. I think this is a beautiful, beautiful example exactly. for everybody. And I, and I just really can't thank you enough, again, for, for being vulnerable and sharing your story and also sharing these, these recommendations, these pieces of advice to our listeners. This has been really wonderful. I'd love for you to um, share with our listeners where they can find both you online as well as uh, the Academy that we've talked about a little bit as well. Sure. Um, so you can find me on Facebook at it's Sarah Jean Photography and that's S A R A and then Jean is J E A N N E and so I've got a Facebook business page there and then on Instagram it's Sarah Jean too so S A R A J E A N N E the number two and then the Academy is the Academy Today so it's Facebook.com/slash/the Academy Today or on Instagram it's just the Academy Today and you can feel free to hop on there I. I'm on those accounts a lot as well. And so if you want to reach out to me, I'm on either place. That's perfect. Sarah, thank you again so much for making time for the Boca podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>